if you get yourself fired, that's on you. That was on me. Nobody canceled me. I canceled myself. But after I've lost my job, the people still coming after me, that's not on me. That's on them. I'm Miriam Hoffman, a full-time college student living in Carbondale, Illinois, and you're listening to the Vance Crow Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Today, we sit down with Vic Faust. That name might not mean anything to you, but when you hear this audio right here, you and your big fat looking ass, don't come back. Now, you may recall who he is. He's a man that had a really intense situation that he was in, played for the entire world to listen to and judge. Vic got fired from his job and had to rebuild his life after a single experience. And we had a chance to sit down with him and talk about what it was like. What was he thinking as all of this happened and how did it all play out? We're fortunate this is the first interview Vic has done on the subject. And you know, when you hear somebody that's been played out onto the world and everybody's talking about how horrible it is, you really don't know who's this person gonna be. But I think what you'll see is just like anybody that's been canceled, Vic has many sides to him and it's interesting to hear his story. We're gonna get to the interview in just a moment, but first, many of you know that we use this studio right here for legacy interviews. That's where I sit down with an individual or couples to record their stories and values so that future generations know about their family history. This morning, I was having an opportunity to review one of the information sheets that are submitted when you buy this as a gift for another person. These sheets are sent to you because we know there are certain questions that you want us to ask and some background that might be important for us to know as we sit down with your loved ones. If you've been considering this as a gift for somebody that you care about, know that when you get this gift, not only will you be sent a gift package so you can make this be a really profound moment as a present, but also we give you a chance to let us know when are you going to give this gift so we don't spoil the surprise, and what are the types of questions that we should be sure to ask to make sure that this captures all of those family values and stories that you're looking for. If you're interested in learning more about booking an interview, go to LegacyInterviews.com to find out more. All right, without further ado, let's head to the interview with Vic Faust. Vic Faust, welcome to hey, the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> so good opening question, I think, is what were you thinking? <laughs> what, you mean in starting my own business? <laughs> no, I mean the way that you came on the radar and the way that many, many people in the world have ever heard of you. They don't know anything at all about you yeah. at all. They hear you yelling at a woman. Yeah. So what happened? Yeah, I became a worldwide story. That's for sure. And then I was like, had a friend in London tell me they heard about me there, California, Canada. I was like, okay, this is not good. Um, I have a different perspective, but now it's a little bit more, I can be, hey, you know what? It is what it is. Not certainly something I was proud of, one of the worst moments of my life, but um, it happened. So basically, if people didn't know, uh, I was recorded by a colleague off air at a radio station laying into her after she had done something to me first. Um, I talk about this on my pa my podcast at cancelthisshow.com. Um, that recording is there forever. And um, while I'm embarrassed by it, it's also a, a mark of who I was at that time and where I've come. Um, because if it, you could let anybody allow you to get to a point where you would lose your cool that much. And there were some things that were going on while I was yelling too, which is why I extended it. Um, and I talk about that on my podcast, um, canceltheshow.com. But you need to go check yourself in. So one of the best things I ever did was go to therapy, just start talking about why was I so stressed to give somebody else so much power to let me get upset because there was a, uh, there was a month that people don't know that I reported this person to HR and the owner saying, I need help. We need a meeting. This is not working. I'm worried something is going to go bad. Um, I need help. And I also had said, um, if I take care of this myself, it's going to be a one way street because there are certain personalities sometimes it doesn't work. And if one person feels like they're just being poked, 
day in, day out, Dan, uh, I reached my level and um, I paid for it dearly. I lost my TV job. Uh, the radio show stopped. I did not get paid any severance from Fox 2, where I had been an employee, number one anchor, number one show for seven years. Um, cold turkey, zero money coming in, um, start over. Um, it was my fault. I don't have anything against uh, the person who I yelled at. I've never said the person's name besides apologizing. I tried to apologize or did apologize three times before it was brought out in public um, to no avail. It wasn't accepted. There was a mission to bring it out and they're allowed. And I've got, I've never said anything bad about the person and I won't. Um, I'm yeah. responsible for my own actions. When I listened to that thing, I, I remember, because I saw it just the same as everybody else, is just like, hey, there's this big news story. Look at this guy that, like, lost his temper on this person. And you hear it, and any any person, man probably in particular, that's been around for, you know, a few years, has had a point where they have lost it, right? And, like, I you, lost it. you lose it, and, like, you would never want that recorded, right? You would, like, never want that played back for yourself and here you are, a guy that didn't just have it played back for yourself, literally all over the world, yeah. people heard about it. How did you find out that, like, that, that, I mean, you knew you had the outburst. When did you find out, hey, this is going, this was recorded and this is going public? Um, I, I knew it was recorded within a couple of days because the owner of the station told me that the person told another employee that they recorded it. So then I was like, okay, well, she or that person only did it to try to hurt me, to come after me. And then it was probably, then it was like maybe five, six days later when I got a call from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch saying that they were given <laughs> this recording by the person. And, and it sounded to me like he had said, well, he said, I've got a recording of, of I got a recording here from this woman's first name and you. So I was like, oh, yep, I know it was from them because how else would it have gotten there if I had already been told by the owner that this person recorded it? So, yeah, it wasn't – it was difficult. I, like I said, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I had done those actions. Um, people lose it sometimes. Not everybody. I did. Um, there was no saving grace about it. Um, did you have any idea when you got that phone call from the reporter that this is going to go – this? Like, you must have been like, well, okay, now this is going to be a regional story because you're a well-known character. Maybe. I, I mean, here's the thing. At that point, I, w I wasn't worried about me. I was worried about um, what was going to happen to the station, my family, my kids, those other situations. Um, um, I had already been told, as I talked about before, by my bosses that I was not going to be fired. Um, don't tell your side of the story about reporting this person before. Um, just we're gonna. This is just let it go and do not talk to the post dispatch and give your side of the story. So I didn't. Then a tsunami of controversy came out. People just listening to the tape, which was horrible. Um, and then two days later, I got a call. Well, we have to fire you. So. And with no, uh, we're not paying you anything. And, you know, I, and it's one of those things. It's like, okay, time to be a big boy. You got yourself into it. Nobody got you fired. You did it yourself. Um, now you have to go see what else is out there. And it's not easy. Um, the therapy helped. Had a great guy that I was speaking with just to talk about a traumatic situation, which is what it was. And may always be because I still... When you go out, you wear that and you always wear it. And it's a part, it's not who I am, but it is in my resume. And that's what you deal with. And so I don't want to say everybody, but I have been told that many people go through things like this if it's private or somebody has an outburst and nobody knows about it because it hasn't been uh, recorded and put out to anyone. So set the scene. Like what what actually happened when when uh, you like had the outburst? We were on a segment, and 
everything was normal. We were heading to break, but before we went to break, the person said, oh, hey, Eric, do you know what Vic said about me yesterday? And like switched the subject completely and ripped me for something from the day before. So in retrospect, in my humble opinion, it was planned. Let's do that. Let's get them. Let's record. Let's get them to go off if we can do it. Um, And then when the break hit is when I said what I said in a, in a smaller, in a, in a quieter voice, but something was said back to me and I don't want to talk about the other person. And then I lost it after I heard what I heard. And then that's when the tape goes from that standpoint. It's a funny thing because it's only been in the last, whatever, hundred years that human beings could say something or do something and then have that action replayed an infinite yeah. number of times. And here's and I haven't looked for any consolation. I haven't looked for people to feel sorry for me. I haven't tried to, quote, win people over. I'm not pointing fingers at the other person. That is the most important thing that I can say and have said to this point. I have not ripped the other person. I have not said anything negative. And I won't because I truly don't have any animosity for that person. I'm worried about supporting myself, my family, uh, my kids, everything that I can possibly do because it's already difficult enough. So when that happens, um, you just try to do the best that you can. And I wasn't angry because you got to own up. If you screw up, as I've told my kids, um, you pay the price. And I paid for it with my job. I had been a local news anchor for 24 years, um, been number one in every market where they counted the ratings, um, was advanced in every single contract. I had a raise in every single contract since I got into the business. Uh, Started in market 202, went to Detroit at market 11, then came back to St. Louis, which was home, uh, hoping to finish out my career, but um, I screwed it up. Oh, man. I didn't even realize, like, this is your hometown. So, like, it's not like you can just be like, all right, you know, forget this. I'm leaving and I'm going to go back home. Yeah. Because everybody here would know. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah. (laughs) It was one of those things where it's like, okay, here you go. Sometimes you just kind of laugh and chuckle so you don't cry from that standpoint of going, okay, this is going to be immense. Um, I've dealt with it. I've got big shoulders. I've gone through a lot in my life. A lot of us go through things in our life. As you get older, you go through things. Everybody goes through hardships. Everybody deals with adversity, which strengthens you. Once again, I was more concerned for my kids and what was going to possibly come back on them. Yeah, I one time uh, had like Slate Magazine and a bunch of these places try and cancel me. I had brought Jordan Peterson to the American Farm Bureau. And this is like before he was a big deal. <laughs> and this like inflamed people. But what you ha- if you haven't ever had the world try and cancel you, and mine was like one one thousandth of what you went through, you don't have any idea. Like people, what, I don't know what they're doing in their basements or at their jobs or whatever, but like for some reason they take this topic on as the thing that they want to harass or come after you. It had to have been crazy to see the amount of hate thrown your way. Well, I didn't look at a lot of it. Um, I looked at what was on my own social media pages and I tried to answer and I was told, don't even worry about it. But I tried to, I handled it the same way that I've handled my TV business, which was if somebody sent an email, I would try to respond to everything I possibly could. And you just go through it. Um, The thing about canceling is the fact that Um, I canceled myself first. That's the first thing. I got myself into a situation because you can't yell and scream at a woman. That's all I did. I yelled and screamed at her and lost it. And, And then that was that. And then it was all out. And when that happens, you have to own up to it, which is what I had to do and that you have to go through it. Now, the second part of that is People love to tear people down, especially if they see them in a situation where they may be a public figure. Or if, oh my gosh, look at that guy. How dare him? He's a TV guy. He thinks he's better than everyone. And people who know me the best know that that wasn't me. Um, That's why I didn't lose any friends. Um, I only had one 
slash friend acquaintance who said, you got to let me know when I can hang out with you again because it's not safe to be around you. And he was more worried about his reputation because he has a very influential name in the St. Louis area. But outside of that, next day I was out in public with people who had my back. Not because they supported what I said or did, but because they knew that I totally effed up, but they knew me as a person. And many of those people knew that I had already reached out trying to get help for a month before I finally had my outburst, not only in writing, but in phone calls as well. Man, that's a a strong testament to the life you lead uh, all the way up until a a critical moment, right? That your friends still want to be around you, even though it was my biggest testament that I can say is that people know me enough to still be with me, to still join me in business because they knew and know who I am. Um, I always feel like I have to put this disclaimer on it because I feel like the cancel culture mob and it's out there will look for anything that you say in a small manner and try to twist your words. So what I mean when I say, listen, I'm responsible for my actions. I am responsible for my actions. I'm just saying what happens after the fact that makes you wonder, why do people care so much after you've been fired to continue to try to jump on, continue to try to cancel you? That's where I experience the cancel aspect. There are so many people around this world, and in my situation, it wasn't just a local, it wasn't just a national, it was a worldwide story where people want to cancel you and they don't want you to do anything anymore. They don't care if you make money. They don't care if you're using what your craft is and has been your entire life. They just want to see you hurt. Yeah, it's a type of stoning. It's like uh, it's like this person carries the the like the scapegoat weight of all these bad things that we want to get rid of. So let's gather around and everybody pick up a stone. Well, that's what my therapist said. If people still try to come after you after you've been fired and you've lost everything from a professional standpoint and you've lost your ability to go out in public without people pointing or staring or looking at you, then they've got issues themselves and they're the ones that we should be canceling or questioning if they still want to come after you or talk about you behind your back. And that's why I credit my friends who have stuck with me and Like I said, they all did. As a matter of fact, the ones who joined me in my next next adventure, which is the the live show podcast, because some people ripped them for being with me. But in the end, you don't hear all the support because people who support you do it quietly. They're with you. They watch you. They talk to you. They send you messages. Um, The people who want to hurt you have intentions and they try to make it public. And that's part of the canceling. And I'm not the only person um, where the, who that happens to. Um, I see it happen all the time. It's almost as if it's the snowball that starts to go down the hill and nobody even really thinks a lot of it at first. Like, oh yeah, I saw that happen. But then the longer the snowball has to go down the hill, it starts picking up momentum and steam. And before you know it, it becomes that avalanche where people just jump on and it's the mentality, it's the mob jumping, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was one of those things that kind of happened to me. But I see that happen to lots of people all over the world. I think it's actually a representation of like a fundamental shift in our culture. Because like one of the things that made Western culture different than other cultures was we had this concept of redemption, right? Like, you know, the the Christianity had this idea that you could do something and then you could be forgiven for it and then you could move on. Whereas if you look at Eastern culture, you talk about like an honor culture, that's if you are defaced, if you somehow shame people, you're totally shunned and pushed out. And then the need to be able to be re- redeemed into a society is critical because like everybody that's doing anything of value takes a chance, right? Yeah. Like they, they do things wrong, they make mistakes. And if you say, no, the mistake you made is permanently banishable, like, and you keep widening out the things that are completely banishable, like who's going to be in your society? Well said, <laughs> because um, we all screw up. My screw up was big and bad and it was, um, it was recorded. I didn't break any laws. I didn't try to hurt anybody. I never want to do that. Um, I'm not trying to make excuses, but after going through therapy, it was told to me, you're dealing with this, you're dealing with that. You've got this going on. Do you realize that that probably affected, do you, re- 
you only had three hours of sleep that night. Um, do you realize you probably should have been working 15, 16 hour days? And I was like, yes, I get it all. Uh, everything came to a head. As much as I regret and apologize for what I said, um, my sentiment towards that person is the same. I, it's not, I don't have anything against her, but I could never work with somebody like that ever again. I, and that's why, that's why I reached out for help before the situation happened. Um, I wish that person nothing but the best, but it also helped me going through therapy to realize there are certain situations that you should put yourself in and certain situations that you should not. And that's why in my situation, I'll be in a business owner. I make those decisions. I know who I'm going to be with. And if something needs to be changed, I can make that change. So you get the phone call from your employers and they are saying, hey, we're letting you go. Mm -hmm. It's not very often you get to ask somebody like, what was it like to be fired? Um, as it got into the end of the second day, it was expected. Because I didn't, when, when my bosses didn't say anything, didn't protect me, didn't contact me, I had reached out via text message with my attorney saying, I want to get out ahead of this. I want to tell my story. Let me get out ahead of this. And they wouldn't respond. And this was after I was told, don't say anything. We'll get back to you. Um, so when it was over two days, two and a half days of not hearing from them, I was like, yeah, I, I guess I kind of know where that's going to go. At that point, I was just worried about my kids because I was dealing with my kids and situations where they were having to deal with some things themselves. So um, I just took it. I said, thank you for letting me work there. Then I made uh, my apology um, because I was told I couldn't say anything. So I went to social media. I apologized and some people took it. Some people didn't. Um, and then that was that. And uh, so what, what did you like now you're having to figure out what to do next? You like, are you looking for another job at this point? Are you, you already know what you're going to do? I had no idea, but um one of my colleagues on the podcast now, even before this went down, had said, you need to do your own podcast. Um, they knew that I was frustrated with local news because I talked to them. Local news has changed. I don't think it's ever coming back. Um, I was a guy that was told in the newsroom, just be happy. Don't pick your battles. Just pick your battles. Don't talk too much. Because I saw a change in the local news where not the full story wasn't covered. And it, it's not the people, it was management. Um, where you only have so much time to do a story. And we got to have tons of content and race from here to there where you had, didn't have a chance to do in-depth stories and actually talk to everybody. Talk to all sides of a situation. Give every side of the story. And that, that had begun to frustrate me. So in sharing those stories, be like, you got to do your own podcast. We can cover all the stories which is what we're trying to do now. So you mentioned that you were number one in all of these different locations. Yeah, when, we're fortunate. When people think about a newscaster, it's hard for somebody like me to imagine, like, what does it take to become number one? <laughs> well, number one, you've got to be good at what you do, experienced at what you do. You've got to be a part of a great team. And a team is everybody. A team is anchors, reporters, producers, um, your writers, um, editors, um, and management. Everybody's got to be working in one cohesive group. And then you build trust. And then the station usually has to have years of being known. So people even before you who are there as well. And then you've just got to have that day-to-day -day, uh, activity where you answer the bell every single day where people go, yeah, that's somebody who I can relate to or those are teams. Those are never individual things. Those are team things. But then, I mean, it's a team thing, but you're going to multiple different places yeah. and getting up to the top. So what does it take? How do you differentiate between the other guy that has a great team? Um, in those markets where it was really in Detroit and St. Louis, everybody's on the same page. Everybody shares the same goal. Everybody knows what their job is. They focus on their job and do it to the best of their ability. Um, and then you have to have people who know what they're doing. 
experienced people quality. There's one thing about news. If you don't have experience, you're not going to be, I mean, you've got to have experience. It's good to have young blood come in, but you've got to have people around that are experienced because you don't get good in television without repetitions. You just don't. Meaning like the way you say things or describe things? The or way how? you do stories, the way you tell stories, the way you as an anchor or a storyteller put yourself into that situation to relay the best information you possibly can so that the viewer can relate, so that they'll want to come back, so that they understand the magnitude of the stories that have been picked by the producers um, and by the assignment editors. And do you miss the, uh, I mean, like these are big budget things. They've got nice cameras mm -hmm. and, you know, big satellite trucks and the speed of things is very quick. Do you miss it? No. No. I don't. <laughs> I don't miss it. Um, I miss being able to show up to a job and know that I'm going to do everything I possibly can to be the best that I can be. And I know that. I knew that my check would be there and a check that I worked very hard for. Um, I started in television news back in 97, making like 14, $15,000 a year. And then um, you build up. And then I was um, very well taken care of at Fox two in St. Louis. And it took a long time to get there. So the money from that standpoint, yeah, I missed that. Do I miss not being able to um, tell a full story when you know you're only being able to tell about 50% of the story or you can't do stories that you want to do? No, I don't miss that because that's what I get to do now. It's a trade-off. I get to do what I want, but now I also have to go out and try to make sure that I can get that income coming in and it's not easy starting your own business. And I wish that I can say that it's been easy and cookies and lemonade poolside since starting my own business and uh, having the freedom of speech to tell full stories that need to be told, but it's not easy and it hasn't been easy. And when you start your own business, um, I've been told a lot of things and I've been promised a lot of things that haven't come true, probably to the tune of about 80% of what I'm told never happens or hasn't happened to this point in time. I've only been able to count on about 20% of what people actually say they'll do. And so let's talk about your business. So tell, talk about the podcast that you started. Yeah, excited about it. It's called canceltheshow.com. Um, and we started the show out of the situation that happened with me. It's like, okay, listen, Vic screwed up. He lost his job. But then why are there so many people that don't want him to be able to provide for his his kids. Um, then that is when I started to experience the cancel culture. If you get yourself fired, that's on you. That was on me. Nobody canceled me. I canceled myself. But after I've lost my job, the people still coming after me, that's not on me. That's on them. And then it was up to me to try to find a business. Gee, what could I use? I've been on camera. I've been writing, producing, shooting video for 24 years. It's been my life. Um, what's the best way to utilize those skills? I was burnt out of local news at the time. I did not even want to go to local news. I did have a station that reached out to me and in a top 30 market. And I said, no, thank you, because I wanted to try something new. So you could have stayed in. You weren't like fully banished. I wasn't given an offer, but I was contacted by a top 30 station. Wow. All right. So it just, and it take and it takes that one person, that one news director to look behind the headline and say, I'm not afraid of people. I want good news. I want good stories. And that's why that person contacted me was because I, they're the type of person that they're not afraid to, hey, there's a full story here. Because I think most people that even cared, I don't know why people cared so much about my situation. Hey, I'm just another guy. It happens in one ear out the other. They knew that something else was a part of that. It wasn't just somebody exploding for no reason out of the blue and continuing on for a couple of minutes. Something caused it and something caused it to continue to happen. So when that message came, I was like, no, thank you. I'm going to do this. So we started up canceltheshow.com. Uh, I figured I could do a podcast. We would do a live daily TV show, which is what we do. So right now, Monday through Friday, 
8 to 10 a.m. Central Time every day, we do a live news show. We cover news, news headlines, politics, business, uh, entertainment. But what is the underlying premise of everything we do is cancel culture education. When somebody gets canceled for whatever, when somebody's afraid to do a story, when somebody's afraid to speak out, we try to do those interviews and how they've kind of intertwined with society and how society handles those situations. What happens when you get canceled, when you can come out of being canceled? And do we really need to cancel everybody and can cancel go all ways, which it can. So we try to focus and talk on those stories. Um, We've been very blessed uh, to have the same people that I interviewed before when I was a local news anchor come right on. And yeah, you had Grover Norquist on today, yeah? Grover, we've had so many. uh, Mike Yoder, arguably one of the best constitutional attorneys in America. Governor Mike Parson has come on multiple times. Andrew Bailey, uh, the Missouri Attorney General, he joins us on a monthly basis now. Um, Just men, women all over the country, women who hated what they heard me say, but said, you deserve another chance. Um, Come on and speak to what cancel culture is and why it will tear apart a society fabric by fabric is if we allow cancel culture to continue on, to just tear people down. Because if we really break cancel culture down, um, at one point or another, most people who are living, who have a heartbeat, um, could have been canceled for something at some point in time if they said something, if it was recorded what they said. And oh, I think the- about that Mel Gibson one where he's like ranting at his yeah. daughter. And you think like, I, my my daughter, my daughter's two years old. And there have been times when you're so frustrated that if yeah. somebody recorded you, I mean, you don't want to say those things. But I always right? put but- the disclaimer on it. I was responsible for my own actions. <laughs> That's good. But That's good. But- if you're really real about it, most people have had a cancelable moment. They just haven't had it recorded or they've said something that, man, if I would have been recorded doing that, what would have happened to me? Where would I be today in that situation? And those are things that people should think about as well. So what have you learned about cancel culture that people that are on the outside don't know? You don't know what everybody knows or doesn't know until you talk to them. But the one thing I think that you have to, it doesn't go away. I mean, there's, it it seems as if there's somebody who may want to cancel you all the time and it's a 24 seven type of deal. So if somebody tries to cancel you, there's a, there's usually a sunset on it at some point in time. But um, when somebody tries to cancel you, you know, that goes with you. I said earlier, it's part of your resume. Yeah, like it's in some ways, it's almost a part of your identity, it right? Is. And like you went to bed one day where you were yes. guy that's the news anchor and everything. And then the next day, you're the guy that yelled at that lady. And I think my situation's different than a lot of people, only from the standpoint of I see so many people get canceled where I'm like, that should not have happened to them. That should not have happened to them. Why is everybody going after them? because they may be gay and a Republican. Why is somebody going after this person who's an African-American but may back Donald Trump? And I see them getting canceled by their own communities. I'm like, that's not right, that's not fair. Whereas in my instance, I got pushed to a point and I lost it and I deserved what I got at that time. Now, what continues after that point, which is what I said where my issue came. Do you think cancel culture is growing bigger or will it be tamped out? That's a great question. Um, There's days where I think the more light you bring to it, the more people realize, hey, maybe we shouldn't go after people. Maybe we should know the full story because very few times, if ever, do people really know the full story. And it's so easy to be a keyboard warrior. It's so easy to lash out and say what makes you feel good at the time whatever may be hurting you at the time, whatever may be frustrating you. It's easy to do that. We're humans. Maybe know the full story before you go out and do it, before you say something. So when it comes to whether it's increasing or decreasing, I really don't know because just today on the day that we record this, I read a story 
where a Buffalo Bills football player tried to do a wonderful benefit golf tournament for several charities. It was going to help charities that desperately needed money and make a lot of money. Well, he wanted to do it at Doral Golf Club in Miami. Who owns Doral? Donald Trump. So he got canceled, received so much backlash because that's the course where he wanted to do this golf tournament to benefit so many people in need that he was forced to, quote, cancel it in his opinion. So he canceled it. There will be no other uh, benefit now. And that goes bye-bye because people canceled him if he was going to do this golf tournament at a place that happened to be owned by Donald Trump. It's like a, a funny thing to imagine that, like, you could be doing something that is noble or like all of your friends support mm-hmm. you or everything is going on. And then boom, it, it just explodes on you. Is this going on in other parts of the world? Like, are, are we the only ones doing this to ourselves? How is this all going? I think it's going on. I think it's going on all across the world. Ask the aforementioned Jordan Peterson, how it is to live in Canada. Oh right yeah, now. that's right. And Despite attaining super success in his field and being arguably one of the best psychiatrists, psychologists out there, um, he's canceled by his own Canadian government. He's canceled by his own brothers and sisters of his industry because he dares be different and dares speak truth from the standpoint that he sees it. And I say truth because Everything that he says, he backs up with statistics or facts, whether it has to do with something medical related or whether it has to deal with the psyche of boys, girls, men or women. Yet he gets canceled in other countries. Yeah, Canada seems to me to be more advanced on the canceling than even us. Like it it seems like they they knew before we did just how crazy (laughs) this is going to get. I mean, there's so many things that happen in life. Um, And Jordan's one of those guys that I think Maybe when he first started speaking out, probably had no idea what was coming. Maybe he did, but not to the extent where it is now, where his own license is being threatened, despite the great work for so many people that he doesn't forget about that. If you don't follow our political agenda, if you don't follow what we say about um, a vaccine or about a sickness or about a pandemic, Um, not even really controversial if you break it down, but if you don't agree with us, um, we can't have you with us. Yeah. He, like I met him as this stuff was heating up. He had maybe been on Joe Rogan like one time and it had been before the Kathy Newman thing, but like the amount Mm -hmm. of heat that was going on. And when I, when he came to the American farm bureau, you saw how much this impacted him, right? Like you see this guy on TV or on, on YouTube and you think like, ah, he's just so resilient and strong, <laughs> but it like so consumed every part of our conversations and what we were thinking about and what we were talking as we walked around this conference and uh, like it had to have been a, a struggle for you. Like so much of your, what, what you saw had to have been seen through the lens of I am the guy that yelled at that lady. Yeah, I see it. And, and I still think about it. You don't, totally get away from it. I mean, there's days where you don't think about it, but there's other days you do. Or if you meet people out, um, you know, we're coming up on a year in September already um, that that took place. And I still run into people um, that I haven't seen that know me um, and will say, hey, you know, nobody comes up. I haven't had one person come up uh, and say anything negative. Um, A few days after it happened, I was with some friends just trying to deal with things at, at a local establishment. And I had um, two people like try to come and yell at me and take pictures of me. Um, but then they were told that if they tried to do that, they would have to leave. And they and th- they just couldn't. They just couldn't stop themselves from trying to inflict more pain on me. And they ended up having to be kicked out of the places. Wow. Um, which is, yeah, there's no need for that. Um, but I still run into people, most people, hey, Sorry it happened. You know, most people that I know, like I said, will be, listen, sorry it happened. Uh, and it's all right. Even my good friend's like, dude, you screwed up. As we've already talked about, 
but we've got your back. I mean, you apologized, you apologized or tried to apologize three times before this was even made public. Um, we're sorry that this was made public. Wouldn't want my situations made public, that's for sure. So you deal with that and you think about it. And every day uh, that I do a TV show, um, which is what I do now, that's who I am now. You start a new business, you try to move on. And if people try to come after you and tear you down, you can't stop it. But there are far more people, as we have seen, who want to see success stories. They do. It's crazy. We talk about this so many times. If you get raised up to a point, the society likes to raise people up. And then if you screw up, tear you down. And, and I do believe in second chances. And I do. And I believe that for other people. And I do believe that there are opportunities given time where if you continue to work hard and show who you really are, you know, you'll get those opportunities and try to make the most of them. So what's your sense for these groups like um, Anheuser or ABM Bev or Target, where they step into some worlds where they're trying to get positive benefit from being a part of, of like the, the trans movement. And then they're, they're, communities kick back on them and say, no, we should cancel this. Like we shouldn't, should never shop at Target again, or I'm going to, you know, crush all the Bud Light I can with mm -hmm. the steamroller. How does that sit with you? I am all for companies doing whatever they feel that they can do. I don't believe in being a hypocrite. Um, InBev, Target, Kohl's, Starbucks, all these companies that have jumped Yingling, they've all jumped on the transgender situation. They've all put their foot in the water. Nobody forced them to. They did it themselves. And you know what? If that's what they want to do as a company, that's fine. They've got every right to do that. We live in a country where capitalism is still there. People have a right to go shop there or not. If you want to shop there, go shop there. If you don't, that's fine. Um, Target's taken a massive hit. But if you go to the Target, that's by my home, it's still packed all the time. I mean, they're, they've lost a lot. I mean, last I saw about 30, I mean, they lost a lot of money. Anheuser-Busch um, losing almost 30%. Anheuser-Busch and Bev losing about 30%. Kohl's took it on the chin. Starbucks was too, but that's their prerogative. If they want to go down that road, road so be it. Um, but consumers don't have to go shop there. You have to is, make the choice for yourself. Is there a similarity between what happens to those people and, and what happened with you? I don't think so. I mean, I don't see any similarities. Um, they're businesses. Um, they've also have, they also deal with a situation for our business owners watching the show too. Um, it's very interesting. The ESG scores, which are very real. Um, we've even had the head of BlackRock come out and say, we need to change the way American owners of major, of major companies think, they're not gonna do it themselves when it comes to being more ESG. So for people that don't know what ESG is, what, how would you, what is that? Um, they're social scores where you have to go out and you have to appeal to all sorts of groups, all sorts of environments. Case in point, what Target did, um, what Anheuser-Busch did, they, you get a social score when it comes to how much has your company invested in LGBTQIA groups? How much has, how much money, how many ads has your company put out to try to promote transgender activity? Is that, is that what you think is going on? Like that, that they're trying many to, com many companies are forced to do that. 100%. Fascinating. Absolutely. That's what's, it's what's going on. So that ESG, the because then you have a lower ESG score. It's harder to get loans. It's harder to get a good credit score and it, you lose money. Now I think here's where the catch 22 comes into to place here is, are we losing more money on the front end, on the back end? But there's no doubt that social scores are playing in to why a lot of these companies are doing what they're doing. Um, and I don't know how I, I wouldn't compare it with, a canceling situation, but ABM Bev has canceled themselves. There is no doubt. Bud Light 
has literally canceled themselves. I don't know if Target will quite be there, but Anheuser-Busch, since you brought it up, InBev, they've doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on their message, not only in states, but across seas as well, where they're not going anywhere. They're going to back and stay on that, uh, that they planted their stake. It's funny how much this has taken over the, like, the social consciousness, because the other day I was like uh, driving in the grocery store parking lot, and as I'm driving out of the corner of my eye, I see a guy picking up a Bud Light 12-pack and putting it in the back of his car. And I look at him and I'm like, I want to see who this person is. Like, what is it that you're doing? Like, who are you if you're a guy putting this in your car? And I almost crashed into another car, like <laughs> like, like less than like two or three feet. Because I was so much like, who would do this? At, like, uh, it's just such a funny thing because... Just a few weeks ago, if somebody had been putting Bud Light in their car, it wouldn't have, I wouldn't I wouldn't even yeah. have seen it. It wouldn't have been something I even noticed. Yeah, Bud Light's gotten to the point where in the St. Louis area this past weekend, they're trying to rebrand uh, in a military campaign, Folds of Honor. Um, there was one local establishment where they were giving away free beer for about five hours in Folds of Honor cans, trying to get people to see them as the company that now supports the military and not the company that was associated with one Dylan Mulvaney can uh, regarding transgender. It's wild, man. Yeah. It's And it's like a, a thing that you think. But Bud Light screwed up. So they had that moment. They screwed up. And they never really apologized, which means they didn't feel like they did anything wrong. And then they doubled down and tripled down. And they lost sales and they've continued to face criticism because I think that that situation was different than mine because they offended their number one consumer, which were which was not a transgender person. <laughs> it was, I think, a, a, more of a male, um, at least according to an article that I read, a male... Um, heterosexual, maybe hardworking, blue collar type of person that wasn't exactly pushing for transgender people's rights. Yeah, it's funny because like when you are drinking Bud Light or Miller Light or Coors Light, you're not doing it because you want the taste. You want to associate yourself with. Well, some people that brand like the is. taste. Some people don't. I guess it's different for. A good group of people. But yeah, but it's not like you're going there and having like swirling it around and being like, oh, the terroir, right? <laughs> yeah. You're you're like you're drinking it because you want to have a little bit of a buzz yeah. and just have some beer and and uh, and like whatever they decided they were going to associate with, it just didn't it didn't you resonate make, with the people. You got to make smart decisions, as I've learned being a business owner. Um, that number one, it's not easy. You have to know who's watching you. You have to know who's a part of you, and try to take care of your customers and. If you look at solely numbers, those companies that I've mentioned have not taken care of their customers. And that's something I've tried to learn being a businessman too, not having everything done for me on, and where it's, you know, I show up, I write stories, I come up with story ideas as I did as a news anchor. Now I'm having to come up with those stories. Hey, who's my customer base? How do we market to them? How do we get advertisers and companies interested in marketing with us and seeing the value of what a live podcast can do as opposed to radio and some of those things. So every business owner has to decide what's important for them. And those other companies decided this is what we're going to do. Yeah. There's a, a, an interesting thing you learn about when you're running a business, because when you're an employee, you do sell, but you're selling to one person, right? Mm -hmm. You're selling to one company. And once you make that sale, then that sale goes on until something happens. But when you're a business owner, you have to keep making sales and keep making decisions and keep building relationships. Do you like the selling process? I love being a business owner. Um, I don't love it starting out in the first six months. No, that's hard. Um, especially when you put a business plan together for, let's just say, a lot more money per month that you were promised before you put that business of people that, hey, I'm in, and then they back out at the last moment. Um, when we started this podcast, 
I said about 80% of things that I've been told have not come true. Mm -hmm. So it's like, wait a second, does this happen in business all the time? And then I talk to my other business friends are like, yep, welcome to the club. It's all part of it. Um, you have your ups, you have your downs. So I love what I'm doing, but it's not easy. And I value and I know what we do is good. I know we have a good product, a live product that we put together that I produce uh, with my team on a daily basis. And we have grown and we've continued to grow since we've started. It's been very organic. Um, so we have a strong base. Now it's just making sure that we get our product out to the masses, not only throughout the St. Louis area, but across the country and the world for that matter as well, of telling the stories from a national standpoint regarding the news headlines, the politics, the cancel culture, business, and anything else that's going on in life. Um, and making sure that people say, wow, They've got a team, not just one host, but they got a team of people um, with over 70 years of broadcast experience in TV and radio that are studying this and trying to bring every aspect of a story to the table. Um, and not just from a hardcore conservative standpoint, but everybody having a voice so that they're not canceled. Um, people say that the show can lean right. And we have Democrats on the show who come in as guests and Democrats, known Democrats who come into the show and are avid listeners every day that want to have that conversation and feel it's important. So as a business owner, that gets me excited. Okay, this is what I always wanted. This is the type of situation where we can have these conversations. You don't have to be Republican. You have to be Democrat. You don't have to be an independent. Let's talk. The first thing is talk. And if it's always just talk, then that's all it is, is talk, talk, talk. But everything starts with talk before action, and then making sure people are as educated as possible before they go vote, before they go make decisions for themselves, their family, and their kids. Go do whatever you want to. Government should not be telling you what you should do all the time. Go do your own thing. But we're just here to try to make sure that everybody has all the information, because not all the information was ever given when I was in local news. Say more about that. And it's not, and it doesn't happen in national news. And it's sad because on a national scale, if you look at the breakdowns from all the studies that are done, when scripts are actually put into algorithms and computers where it talks about positive and negative, you have all the most of national media veers left. And it's whether it's positive or negative talk and the algorithms for newscasts show it. Most of the stations veer left. And then the stations that do go right, they're not right here. They're all the way right. It's very difficult to find news on a national scale that is down the middle. According, not my opinion, but according to the news scripts that are actually put in the computer algorithms that talk about bias for one side or the other. And when it comes to local news, local focuses on local issues. And local news, I still think there's a spot for local news when it comes to you know city council meetings and safety and police and weather. But local news doesn't talk politics from a national standpoint. They do well, they do their best to do politics local, but it's so impossible to cover all of the local races when you have small staffs and you don't have enough time to do it, which is why the advent of podcasts have been so massive, especially the live shows and especially the groups like ours, which attack what we do on a daily basis because we operate and compete um, with TV and radio on a daily basis just from a standpoint of viewers' attentions and eyes. You know, we're not, you know, yeah, I mean, it, at 7 a, or at 8 a.m., you, you got to choose. Yeah, Am I wise listening to this or We're that? doing our best from that standpoint. And um, that's why canceltheshow.com, you, you go to our website, you watch us live, or you can listen to us as soon as the show ends. 20 minutes after the show ends every day, we have it on. And then the greatest thing, I think, is you have all the shows right there in our library. It's evergreen. Yeah, I see your show. story and watch from the day before. And be educated. I see your show most. So I've been on your show twice. I really enjoy it. I think what you guys do is like uh, very like clever because it's fast and like you. We kind of had an idea what we were going to talk about, but then Thank it veers off and does all kinds of different yeah. things. <laughs> but that's great, right? That's that makes it dynamic. That's on purpose. But I see your show uh, mostly on YouTube Shorts more than anything else. Yep, YouTube Shorts, Instagram Shorts, Facebook Shorts. We do what we can. Uh, that's where I don't necessarily think that it's a great thing, 
but it's how we are as a society. We need quick hitters. We need 15 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute. Oh yeah, now I see because we're a headline culture. It's different than when I got into the news business back in 1997, that's for sure. Um, so you got to get people in. I mean, there's so many things happening around us. We're multitaskers, we're on our phone, we're looking here, we're looking there. Um, we're busy, we're doing a lot. So um, that we're just trying to be as good as we can and as a business owner, I'm trying to learn on a daily basis because there's so much to learn. I talk to business owners. How can I get better? How can I market? How can I um, become more viable? How can I reach the masses? How can I market better? Um, are there ways that I can do other businesses or, or branch off other businesses off this business um, so that I'm not all in on this one show? So on a daily basis, I'm like, okay, I need about five or six more hours in this day and I need energy for about three more hours <laughs> just to make sure that I can do this. So yes, I'm doing what I always wanted to do, own a business, but it's not easy and um, it, it's tough. It's a struggle to get things going. Um, you don't just wake up and everything's there for you. So tell me about your advertisers. Who's chosen to come on with you and go through this adventure? Yeah, so far so good uh, the advertisers we've had. Have, have really liked it. They've enjoyed it and they've done well. Um, Carol House in the St. Louis area, um, furniture store, uh, Dr. Mahesh Bagway. He is a orthopedic surgeon, complete auto body repair. They have seven uh, locations throughout the St. Louis area where they take care of your car. They do everything pretty much from A to Z. Um, climate controlled um, facilities that nobody else has because in this day and age to get mechanics and technicians, um, you have to have air conditioning and heat different than how I grew up. That's for sure. As I continue to learn um, strategic air services, uh, private luxury air flying, uh, where we broadcast out of um, we, a car warranty company that um, has loved to jump in with us. Um, Pixie Dust um, seasoning brand that sold all over the St. Louis um, metropolitan area. Um, to do what they can do when it comes to um, selling all of the, um, the the spices that they have. Uh, Rockwood charcoal, um, which by, and not just because they're an advertiser, the best charcoal you're ever going to find. Um, they, they've jumped in with this as well, which is um, great. So we enjoy um, doing what we can. And last but not least, um, um, real um Kathy Helbig-Strick, uh, one of the top real estate agents in the St. Louis area. We talk real estate um, every Wednesday when they come on. So they, they've jumped in and they get a chance to teach and do things from a standpoint that's a little different off the wall where they can be honest and really have time to speak to an audience from every aspect of um, learning about real estate with um, everything that they do, um, the re experienced real estate partners. And finally, um, green light dispensaries, uh, the largest marijuana outfit in the state of Missouri, which allows them to get the best products and, of course, the best prices. So we've had lots. And then we've got. Well, the funny thing about that too. one is that you like uh, that one. I saw you had them on as a guest and the woman was on there talking in like great detail about cannabis. And like it, it was actually a really interesting spot. You never see that in in advertising, like where a person gets to just sit there and be like, let me explain to you about terpenes and what we're doing. Well, whether here it's the... for you or not, you should know. It's about educating people. Yeah. It's talking about marijuana. Why has it become legal in so many states? Why is there this push for it? Why is there so much money for it? Why is there so much money behind it? Mm -hmm. Missouri on pace, the show me state, to be the number one state for first year sales in America. And that's over a billion dollars. There's something behind it. I mean, most people, ah, okay, whatever. No, so we try to get to the bottom of it. Uh, and believe it or not, there are so many studies where it's helping people, especially from a medical standpoint, as opposed to doing maybe some things that they've done in the past. Uh, alternative ways of thinking. Um, yeah, that's part of the Weed Wednesday segment. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've learned a lot too. Um, and that's what we try to do. We just have, try to have those conversations that people aren't used to having. And that goes for everything which is why we have to dive in as host and really study what we can and know the kinds of questions that we need to ask. So as the guy going around and talking with advertisers, what is the, what is the, the 
pitch you make to them? How do you describe for them why they should advertise? Well, at time of doing the show, because over the last uh, 30 days, we've had over 200,000 people total audience reach, which is fantastic for a six-month podcast. And I'm grateful for that standpoint. 75% of the people who listen to our show listen for most of the show. They can't turn it off, which is a good thing um, because it gives us an opportunity to really focus on the advertisers. Um, we give them other adver advertiser stories. Um, we've had one advertiser who didn't get anything uh, and it, it just didn't work for that advertiser. That, ha that happens sometimes. They dropped off after three months, but they told us in the beginning, if we don't get anything, we'll pop off after three months. But when you first start something, it's more difficult. But now that we've reached that six month point is when we really start to see the advertisers, oh yeah, we're getting clients. We're getting people saying cancelthisshow.com is something that they want to be a part of. Um, one day after a, a brand new advertiser, we have his Metro Shooting Supply, um, a guy who owns two um, gun shops throughout the St. Louis metropolitan area, who's done a ton of broadcasting, of education with guns, education surrounding, education training, um, not just the news headlines, explaining what an AR-15 actually is, what's actually a, an automatic. Uh, and I only met him because he reached out and said, listen, people in the news need to actually learn the terms that they're using for guns because most people in media are clueless. They don't know. I took the opportunity training to my boss um, for us to try to do training for all of us to learn how to actually speak. We never did it, but to her credit, she's like, yeah, I think this would be helpful. So when he came on after being on for the first time last week, the next day he had somebody in his business saying, I loved you on canceltheshow.com. I listen to it every day. Those are the pitches we make. Also the standpoint of I'm not signing people to contracts. If this works for you, great. Let's do it on a monthly basis. If it doesn't, then hey, no harm, no foul. You know where we are. And we're really starting to get that involvement. The great thing that I think we offer advertisers is a chance to come on with us live. Come on and talk about your company. Renewal by Anderson, uh, one of the country's top window manufacturers, uh, they've partnered with us. They come in and speak about their products. So it gives you a chance as a, as a business owner to speak about who you are and what you are, not just through a 30-second ad or a 60-second ad. You get to come in and talk about why your service, your business works. Um, changing the subject, one of the things you were in uh, local news and during COVID, there would be people on Twitter that would um, go and spot all the, the newscasters that were like doing a, a pitch and they would make it sound like they were, hey, I'm, we're, I'm reaching out to you as a local station to tell you. And then they'd put them all together. And you would see that all these people were given a script and they're saying it in every market. I know what's... What the hell is going on with that? Okay. As much as I get frustrated with local news, I have to give the full story on that because I do know the full story. Because the company that was going to buy us at one point in time was the company that put this out there. And what they did was it was one script that was sent out to all of the stations that they owned. And it might have been 20. But that's but that script was only introducing who the company was at one point in time. It was a reader. It wasn't one of these things where we're telling the same story in every market of every news. It was a blanket statement for all of their TV stations. But you don't hear that because you don't get to hear from start to finish. You only hear maybe eight to 10 of the stations saying the same thing as the sentence continues, only about two or three of those sentences. So as much as I'm calling out local news and national news, Even that the ones was on nothing. COVID? Even the ones where they were like, you've got I to wear masks and you've got to- I didn't hear you, the COVID one. Oh man, it was like, it was, yeah, that, that was like, what's going on here? Like where they keep zooming the lens out. Well, and I was more told and more by an assistant it. news director once that I wasn't allowed to go speak and get the interview from a, a doctor who said that masks didn't work and the studies proved it and that there hadn't been one controlled scientific study that ever proved that masks work. And he sent me the data and showed not one study has ever been done. This is all what doctors are saying is common sense. 
it sounds right. Hey, if you put a mask on, it's going to be better. But then he didn't get a chance to show that the COVID particles were so small, they went through the mask that it didn't matter and it wouldn't stop anything. And especially if you had a cloth mask, which is the worst thing you could ever put on. And I saw evidence where the only thing, and we even talked to docs that said, truly masks are never gonna work unless it's a N95 that's been tightly fitted, disposed of in the proper setting, and that person walks out. And if you have a beard, there's never going to be a mask that ever fits you properly. I just wanted to say, hey, I'm not saying don't wear a mask. I mean, I wore a mask around a lot just because I wanted other people to feel fine and they knew me. But let's just make sure that everybody has all the details. Let's give all the information and let people decide for themselves. I was told that it was, quote, disingenuous of me to suggest that we give that side of the story when, quote, everybody knows mask work and anybody that says that they don't has an agenda. People are going to forget how these conversations <laughs> Not happen. to get off track. No, no. I'm like, I think that these types of stories But I had a really boss important. literally tell me that. And I went, okay. And I turned around and walked out of the office. People are going to forget. Like we, we had, uh, I remember when people were saying, no, it's not enough that you wear one mask. You got to wear two. Remember people walking around yeah. with two masks on? Yeah. I'm, yeah. But people will forget <laughs> this. Um, yeah, I know. But and here's the thing. If people want to wear a mask, wear them. And nobody should shun people for wearing masks who are wearing masks right now because there are still people who are wearing masks out because they feel that it helps them. Fine, do it. And nobody should try to cancel them for doing that or be talking about them or making them feel uncomfortable for doing that. Or if they chose to do a vaccine the first time, the second time, the third time, a fourth time, how many ever boosters there'll be, they have the right to do it if that's what... Don't start forcing people to do things. And if there are people and reporters who have stories and want to cover all sides of the story, you got to let the reporters do that because people deserve that. And I honestly feel you brought that situation up that local news started losing a lot. And I mean, a lot of viewership over um, election coverage and then over pandemic coverage. And it hasn't rebounded. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of COVID, I watched a lot of local news. We got an antenna out from the basement that we never had because we didn't, <laughs> we never watched local news. But all of a sudden, it was, like, really valuable. We wanted to know, like, is the county going to go yeah. on lockdown? But now there would be virtually very, very little chance that I would tune into it on a regular basis. Yeah, you're not alone. <laughs> Well, Vic, I know you are a busy guy. I really appreciate you coming in. If people wanted to learn more about your show, where would they go? Uh, Canceltheshow.com. 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 It's that simple. Uh, People are still learning how to use podcasts um, in regards to, hey, you can watch us live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Central all the time. You just go to canceltheshow.com. You have your list of viewing platforms. Your Facebooks, your Rumbles, your YouTubes, Twitter, Twitch, CloudHub, or you can go to all the usual suspects for audio. Um, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, we're on all of those listening podcasts as well. Well, man, thanks for coming on and telling your uh, wild story. Yeah, it is wild, and uh, it's a story that's um, evolving on a daily basis as I evolve uh, on a daily basis, and I appreciate the opportunity Uh, to speak candidly, but more importantly, um, humbly of my screw up, um, my apology, um, my loss of a lot, and then what I hope is a, uh, a comeback. Amen, man.